Well, good morning, guys. Um, we now come to the section in the book of Philippians that may be, I kind of say this half-jokingly, it may be the point where I lose some of you. I hope not, but the reason is uh, this is such an amazing and powerful and uh, eloquent and weighty uh, passage of scripture that I I just don't know how to, to sort through it efficiently. So I kind of looked at chapter two and thought maybe I'd get through it in a week. And now I'm looking at this section and wondering if I can get through it in a week. And it's not because I really want to stop and teach every you know little nuance of it. It's just there's so much fire here. There's so much devotional beauty here uh, in this that um, I don't, I'm just going to take my time and uh, we'll just let the Lord lead us. So I'm going to read Philippians 2 verses 5 through 11, and I'm going to read it in a little more traditional translation this morning just because it sounds better. And uh, you should know that some, some people believe that this is a hymn some commentators believe that Paul actually, you know, this is a borrowed hymn from the early church, and, and they even break it into some stanzas. But I think it, it, while it could be, it is also entirely possible that Paul wrote this poetically and beautifully in and of himself. So um, either way, it's just so dense and, and perhaps maybe the most Christological statement that exists in the New Testament. So here it is. This is... Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yeah, again, just a, just a, a, just a staggeringly beautiful passage of Scripture that, that deals with the full movement of Jesus. Um, you know, we sang a 90s praise chorus that, you know, he came from heaven to earth to show the way, from the earth to the cross, my debt to pay, from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high, that essentially follows this rhythm of Jesus descending into, you know, into flesh and then into, you know, to death and the lowest form of death and then, of course, being raised up to the highest of heights as a result. But today, I just want to focus on the very first part of the very first verse, which Paul uses to introduce this whole passage, um, he, he applies the lesson to us before he even states it. He says, um, you have to let this mind of Jesus that I'm about to ex- explain to you, you have to, it has to become your mind. He, he, he describes, uh, he tells us what we have to do with the, with the information he's about to tell us before he even tells us. And he doesn't give us the whole mind of Jesus. And this, it's not as though this is a, 
brain scan. This isn't sort of like giving us all that's on Jesus's mind or heart. He's just giving us a, a window, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, into the heart of God. And even with the beautiful, wonderful detail he gives us, um, he, I think what he's doing is he's recognizing the particular needs that the Philippians have at the moment. He's saying, let me just pour this out for you. I believe there's a lack of unity that existed in the church then, and there's certainly a lack of unity that exists within the, the church today in the world. <clears throat> Excuse me again, sorry. Still have this pollen going around here. Um, and I think this lack of unity you know, becomes the reason that Paul needs to just make sure that this gets pressed deep into the Philippians' hearts and minds. And so, you know, it's it would just be way too easy for us to read this beautiful passage that Paul's about to unpack in verses 6 through 11 and to admire it, to say, wow, isn't, wasn't Jesus just amazing for what he did? And no doubt the Lord wants us to be awed, you know, by the the beauty of his son and the perfection of, of Jesus. But he, he wants us, he needs for us also to see this as something that we have to enter into, something that we have to give our hearts and our minds over to, that we have to imitate, that we have to, as we develop, we take upon ourselves the character of Jesus and also his mind. And um, when Paul says, let this mind of, of being you, He's telling us that it's something that we have a choice in, that we can choose to operate out of, out of our own minds, our own human wisdom and thinking, or we can endeavor to surrender our lives to Jesus in a way where, where he begins to, to implant within us his mind. I was, I was meeting with a guy um, just yesterday afternoon, who's a dear brother in the Lord. He's a young man, just a great young guy who is trying to decide what to do with his life. He's educated, articulate, has a great job, but really feels this call to serve the Lord and he's trying to sort it out. And as we talked, you know, we agreed. I think he even offered or started in saying, you know, I'm seeking wise counsel, a multitude of wise counsel, but I don't really want human wisdom. I want the mind of Christ. I want to know what Jesus knows about me and my life and, and how he sees me living that life. And um, it's just a, uh, I just was in awe of a 25, 26 year old guy who was thinking that way. I know I didn't at that age. So um, this, this mind of Christ is granted by God. Paul tells us in first Corinthians two, that we have the mind of Christ and it's uh, but it's something that we have to choose to walk in. And so you have to let it be. You have to, to let this mind be in you. And so I, I want to press that into you today. I want to exhort you to let this mind of Jesus be in you. And uh, if you're like, I, you know, Jeff, that's, that just sounds crazy. Like, how? Well, I think it's as simple as just asking, asking him just, offering yourself to him and saying, Lord, I want your thoughts. I want your mind. And the stuff that I'm about to read in the next five or six verses, I want that to be the sort of thinking that forms my life, that I'm willing to go as low as it takes to serve you, as obedient as uh, the the measure of my discipleship, 
that I will trust you to, to raise me up, that that will be the measure of my, of my, uh, my following is my obedience to you. And as a result, you'll raise me up. And so father, we pray in Jesus name this morning that you, that your mind would be in us. We, as much as I can say it for my brothers and sisters who are listening, let your mind be in us, Jesus, that we might think your thoughts and that we might make decisions based upon your guidance and your leadership and according to your pattern, which we're going to get into tomorrow. We thank you. We love you in Jesus' name. Maranatha.